Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. I opened the door into the kitchen. And I am just filled with fear. Wondering, why am I so scared? Is there something here? And I'm thinking something's there. I flip the light on really quick, and I don't see anything. I'm leaning over, and as I'm getting the felt of water, I could feel somebody standing there with me. behind me but there's nobody there and as I shut the door boom everything falls off of the wall the mop the brooms boom and then I just like I'm out of here So I ran up to my daughter's room to see if she was okay. And I find her asleep. And then I feel it again. A presence. It was like somebody was looking over my shoulder. I turn around. There is a man standing there. This evil, nasty man. I really felt like this male presence wanted to hurt me. I am freaking out. And I remember I just kept closing my eyes and shaking my head. And all of a sudden... the ghost disappear before my eyes and as an instincts of a mother I just lunged and I grabbed her and I was like okay I'm like okay this is fine I'm fine everything's fine so now I've had my first encounter with a ghost I am absolutely freaked out and I called my husband and I said that's it Please, I can't stay in this house anymore. I am terrified. And 
Finally, he said to me, okay, whatever you want to do. So we put it on the market and moved out of the house. I found out later the history of this home. A man named Hugo Alessi bought this piece of property in the 20s. He was very famous, very well known for his restaurants called Hugo's. And the Great Depression hit. He lost all of his money and abandoned the home. And it literally sat empty for five to eight years. This is Shannon in Abu Dhabi, and you are listening to RPA, Real Paranormal Activity, with my good friend, Aaron Hammer. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, August 8th, 2022, episode 277. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, I'm glad to be back in the hot seat. As far as announcements are concerned, you know what? There's nothing really uh, to announce except for one thing, is that uh, there will not be a new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments with Terry from Texas this Wednesday. He's going to take the week off, and he'll be back next Wednesday. And of course, tomorrow's Tuesday, and there will be a new show of Aaron's Horror Show with Mr. Aaron Frail. And if you guys don't know this yet, and if you're new, we have a new podcast that came on to the network. And they come out on Fridays, along with two new entertaining short films, and it's called Hoodoo Lounge Radio. And they're much like Terry's Mysterious Moments. They talk about the weird, the strange, paranormal, UFOs, cryptids, everything and anything to do with the strange. So check them out. And with that, yeah, a short intro. So, let's get the show on the road. We're going to do listener stories yet again. We're, we're putting a big dent in the backlog. Keep on sending in your stories if you want to share your own paranormal experience or maybe something strange that happened in your childhood or in the past or recently. Just send it to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at realparanormalactivity.com and I'll read it off on a future episode. And so, let's get the show on the road. And you guys know what that means. Oh, yeah, man, come on. Say it with me. Say it with me. That's right. Two, the story then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving, and the fans are going nice and cool in here in this hot weather. You guys know the deal. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner, find an empty spot on the floor, and don't forget to grab a popsicle out of the freezer. Grape, lime, cherry, and of course our favorite, the orange popsicle. And while you guys are doing that, I'm going to get behind my desk as usual. Oh, man. And I printed off Britt's uh, packet. Let's see what story she picked out for us. Thank you, Britt, if you're listening. All right. Oh, wow. We have some long ones here. Okay. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Wet the whistle. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So good when it hits the lips. All right. The first one. This one is by Mystic. 
and it's titled, She Attended Her Funeral. Okay, Mystic, let's see what you got, man. My great-grandmother was my hero, and I was her pride and joy. She was a beautiful Cherokee woman with a broad variety of knowledge and wisdom. She taught me everything I know about gardening and herbal remedies, along with respecting the land and animals. I used to love trying to braid her long black hair that flowed down to her waist while I listened to one of her amazing legends. I spent most of my summers with her making wonderful memories, though one summer night will never be forgotten. We had spent most of our day in her lily garden and canning apples when I noticed that she didn't seem quite herself. She looked tired and once when I asked her if she was alright, she said her head hurt, but not to fuss. She would be fine in a little while. So when we went on with our day and later that night, as she was telling me a story about how there are souls in every star, which I still believe, she told me that she was going to have to call my mom and have her come and get me. She still didn't feel well. Sad and concerned, I followed my grandmother inside and slowly gathered my things. As I sat on her porch swing, curled up in her arms, listening to her heartbeat, she told me something that still sticks with me. You know, that deep inside everyone has gifts, and everyone's are different. You can either believe in them and let them grow like our lilies, or you can stop believing in them and let them go. The choice is our own. Sometimes it can be confusing or scary, but sometimes it can be the answer you've been looking for. You're not too different from me. You just have to uncover it. I love you, little miss. I went home that night with my grandmother's words running through my seven-year-old mind, trying to make sense of it all, as I tossed and turned, hoping that my grandmother would feel better the next day so I could go see her. Days turned into a week, and I was determined to go see her. Thinking of every excuse in the book, we could go take her soup. Somebody had to water the lilies in the vegetable garden. I could go tell her a story. She loved my stories that would make her feel better. But none of my excuses worked. Instead, my mom told me she was very sick in the hospital and that we would go see her the next day. The next morning, as my brother and I were eating breakfast, my mom got a phone call saying that she had passed away. Beyond saddened, I told my mom I didn't want to go to her funeral, but she insisted that I did, to which I finally agreed, but only if I could wear the dress my grandmother had gotten me that summer. It was a light yellow sun dress with pink flowers on it. She was hesitant, but agreed. As we arrived at the funeral home, I took my seat and tried to avoid the casket. I didn't want to see her laying there. I wanted her back so we could plant flowers and she could push me on the rope swing and I could hug her. The service began and a lot of people spoke over her. It just didn't seem right. Instead of being sad, I was angry. Half the people who were speaking over her rarely came to see her. If anyone should be up there, it was me. I knew her better than anyone. I was just about to leave and go in the parlor when I heard my grandmother's voice. Remember my special child? I love you and I am always with you. I looked beside me to find my grandmother sitting there smiling at me. I was about to nudge my mom to tell her, 
when my grandmother put a single finger to her lip and acted as if she were locking them. I giggled and did the same thing, showing her I understood. Of course, my mother pinched me and told me to be quiet, and when I turned around, my grandmother was gone. I will always remember that day with a combination of gratitude and sadness, but mainly with the knowing that my grandmother will always be with me. Thank you for the podcast. And that's from Mystic. Mystic, thank you very much for that. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, you know, I loved it. This is a, what I call a feel-good story. Not everything has to be scary and spooky, right? Yeah, good stuff. Cherokee. Huh. Yeah, I I would love to hear um, some of the legends she was telling you. I bet she has some good stories. Yeah, Mystic. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? Yeah, we get a lot of those. You old-timers know this. We keep on getting stories about uh, loved ones coming back, you know, for just a, a moment or two, visiting in dreams, or maybe a week later just showing up in your bedroom at night. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not really unique. All right, what do we got? What's next here? This one is by Glover, and it's titled 15th Floor. Okay, Glover. Let's see what you got, man. This happened about 10 years ago when I was working as a night security officer in the Victoria, London. It was a tall building with 15 floors right by Christ Church Gardens. Whenever I did my routine patrol, I would start from the 15th floor, walk through the kitchen, and into the canteen area. Now, every time I did a patrol through that kitchen, I had such a strong feeling that I was being watched. At first I was uncomfortable with the idea of having to do a patrol there, but I had no choice and eventually accepted it and got on with the job. But always acknowledging the feeling of being watched in the kitchen. During, I would say, the fourth year of service, I was expected to watch a health and safety video and the only place I had the facility to do that was on the 15th floor canteen next to the kitchen. So, I went up and turned on the canteen lights, put the VHS in the machine, and started watching the video. Within 10 minutes, I heard some plates rattle behind me and a pan dropped to the floor. I turned around and saw a black mass of an oval shape about 5 foot 5, approximately, glide towards me from where the pan dropped stopped right in front of me for about five seconds. I just looked at it in amazement. It had no facial features or any outline of clothing to identify it. Just a big ball of black mass. And it then drifted through the wall next to the window. Now, I would have assumed that I would normally have darted out and down the stairs, got my things and left the job. But no, I just carried on watching the video called my work partner on the radio to tell him I had seen a ghost and as I expected he thought it was a load of rubbish. I did not feel any fear or freeze at all when this happened and I don't understand why. One thing I had been doing when having my break over those years in the night is that I would take a stroll at the back of the building and look at the graves, some from 18th century and be fascinated by them. 
When I tried to investigate what could have been the reason for this experience, I could only come up with a link from the graveyard and that it was connected to me. No one else ever has feelings of being watched or seeing anything, just me. Nothing came up on the building, which was probably only 30 years old. But the graveyard came up as a surprise with a certain colonial Thomas Blood, who was apparently buried there. Apparently books have been written about him and a film made. Although his grave may be now unmarked, I feel pretty sure he had been watching me those nights wander around being nosy and decided to take interest in me? Maybe. Anyway, whoever it was, they meant me no harm and probably just wanted to confirm what I had been feeling by letting me know I wasn't going crazy. If you're ever in Victoria, take a walk to Christ Church Gardens. You never know. Your visit might be acknowledged. Well, thank you for reading. And man, that's from Glover. Glover, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, you know, this is the first time that I read something, uh, you know, when a person, you know, sees a shadow person or a black mass like this. Usually they freak out. That's what I would do, right? I mean, this shouldn't be happening. Rub your eyes. I'm seeing things, hallucinating, you know, whatever. But uh, you didn't feel fear at all. And yeah, you're kind of confused by that, you know, because, you know, as you mentioned, you would normally probably have uh, just darted down the stairs and got the hell out of there, <laughs> but you didn't. And you just kept on watching the uh, the video. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you again for uh, sharing. Great story. All right. What's next? Oh, yeah, just a friendly reminder, guys. Um, if you don't have the free RPA app, you know, we had it built for you guys. It's free. Just go to your app store and just do a search for Real Paranormal Activities, the podcast, and download it. Uh, you'll see our iconic aqua blue eye. And, hey, have fun. Full video capability. Or if you want to watch uh, the movies and video, you can always go to realparanormalactivity.com as well. So you got two ways. All right. What do we got? This is by Paulo, And it's titled, The Bakery. Okay, Paolo, let's see what you got, man. I used to work in a bakery in Brazil. I'll let you know about something really scary that happened to me. This changed my life and definitely made me a believer. I'm 28 years old now and was 26 when the events happened. I was hired to work in a big bakery in my city in this neighborhood called Baritas. My job was to take care of the place during the night and also leave it all clean for the opening next day. I used to do my job all alone. The first two months were totally normal, nothing unusual to worry about. Things really began to get strange by the ninth week, during a rainy evening. I was all by myself and heard this noise coming from the basement, where they used to stock food and ingredients to make cakes and stuff. I instantly went down the stairs and faced this scene. One of the shells was broken and the flour that was on it was all over the place. I didn't really think anything was wrong. I just thought that it had been broken by the heavy flour bags. It was an old shelf and made out of wood. My only concern at that point was to clean the area and that would take me a long time. Damn it. 
I was about to rest a little when this happened and I decided to follow my previous plan before cleaning everything. So I went back upstairs, watched some TV, and ate something. About 25 minutes passed and there it was, me making my way back to the basement with a bucket and a mop. As soon as I put my feet on the last step, something scared me to death. There were several footprints in the flower. Human footprints. My first reaction was to go upstairs real quick and call the cops. Of course there was a burglar in the bakery. Cops took about 10 minutes to be there and I waited for them outside the place because I really didn't want to be shot by anybody during my shift. By waiting outside, I could be sure that nobody could leave the building. The guy was stuck inside. Cops searched the whole place. Nothing. Security cameras were also checked. Nothing. According to the cameras outside the building, the only person who had entered or left the bakery would have been me. A detective even talked to me and didn't seem to be really convinced that it wasn't me joking with the police. Luckily, my boss didn't seem to really care about the situation, and since they found nothing, I just decided to forget about it and move on. Two more weeks went by, and everything was normal. Until the night, I was doing my cleaning, and someone called out my name. This couldn't be real. I was all by myself. It was a male voice. I didn't want to warn my boss or even the police because this time I'd be surely fired and my job was very important to me. I searched the entire place and didn't get to find anybody or anything that could have performed such noise. I found something even more interesting though. The recent broken shelf had not been fixed yet and right behind it I could see a small door on the wall hidden by the shelf in the corner. It wasn't large enough for a man to pass, so I didn't fear facing a burglar nor any other criminal. I just couldn't hold back my curiosity. I grabbed a flashlight, opened the door, and pointed it to the darkness inside. If the door wasn't large enough for a man to pass, the whole space inside wasn't large enough for even a medium-sized dog. Besides spiders and spider webs, there was just a paper box. I took it, removed the strings, and opened it. What I found inside of it really freaked me out. A newspaper published back in December 1986 had a post about a bakery whose owner had to sell the place to have his debts paid off. He never really accepted the situation and died a few months right after the sale. The cause of death? Suicide. Place of death? the bakery that had once belonged to him. He managed to enter the place and sneak to the second floor, placed a rope around his neck, attached the other side of the rope to an oven, and jumped off the window. It happened during the day and about 12 people witnessed everything. The scene was really shocking because with the impact, his neck was broken and his body turned around itself, shaking a lot afterwards. Something brown had come out of his mouth and blood flowed out of his eyes. A picture of the dead body taken afterwards in the morgue was also published and I noticed something really scary. The bakery they were talking about in the news was the same place I was working at. 
The former owner had so many debts that selling the bakery wasn't enough. He had lost everything and eventually became a beggar, a homeless person with no options in his miserable life. But I still couldn't believe I was being haunted by a ghost. I wasn't a believer after all. Next night, a new event even more intense happened. A tap in the basement started to flow water. I swear I had not touched it. I turned off the water and someone called out my name again. I still don't know if it was real, but I could clearly feel a cold hand being placed on my shoulder and someone was breathing really close to my left ear. I had enough. I left the place and waited outside until sunrise. The other employees came early in the morning to start their shift and I resigned. Never again went back there. Thanks for reading. Oh man, that's from Paulo. Paulo, man, that's a great story. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, creepy. Yeah, especially at the last part there, you find this uh, little hidden door with a, um, a newspaper clipping about the previous owner. Jeez. But you know what? It wasn't really bothering you, right? I wonder if any of the other employees ever experienced anything there. You know, it's walking around, not really scaring you. But then again, you never know. Yeah, I would have left too. I, no way I would be working there in the dead of night cleaning the place. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much for uh, sharing again. And that's it. That's all the stories, guys. But you know what? There's a, there is something I want to talk about. I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching this video, and uh, it was this uh, this nurse. She was doing, you know, she was doing some sort of a uh, little commentary, and she's a a hospice nurse, and she's been there for years and years, you know, doing hospice work. And she started talking about, which I never knew, that they have pamphlets, or not pamphlets, like little books to hand out to loved ones. And it, it talks about, it basically gets the loved ones ready for, you know, the hospice patient as they're going through, you know, getting ready to die, things that they can expect. And so, it, you know, I didn't know that, but they, you know, if your loved one is in hospice care, yeah, you're, they have these booklets, I guess, just to prepare yourself. But she started talking about, uh, they, they don't know why this happens. And I'm, I'm going to mention it here in a minute, but she just kept on saying, we don't know why this happens. We don't know why this occurs. And it happens all the time. It's frequent. And she started talking about that a month out before a patient, a hospice patient dies, or even in between, somewhere in there, when they're getting ready to, you know, the end is coming, they start seeing loved ones. And yeah, you know, I, I read about this when I was a complete skeptic about the paranormal, and I always thought to myself, you know, well, you know, they're all drugged up, you know, they're trying to keep them comfortable, cancer is eating away at their insides, their liver, their kidneys, their organs, the heart. And, you know, they're being eaten alive from the inside out. You know, it's painful. And so they're probably drugged up and they're probably, you know, hallucinating. But then again, you know, using critical thinking, I was starting, starting to think to myself what this hospice nurse says time and time and time and time again, these different patients throughout the years, 
they're all experiencing the same thing. So if it's it's impossible to hallucinate the same you know the same thing. So there's something going on here with the supernatural, and like she said, they don't know why the medical science and medical professionals, they doctors, you know, nurses, they all they know is that this happens. And she even elaborates where uh, many of the patients, um, you know, the loved ones will be in, you know, visiting the patient, and then all of a sudden, you know, the the patient will be talking to midair and you know, like to a loved one or, or what, whoever they're seeing. And then the, the patient would just ask the other people in the room, are you seeing this? Do you, do you see this? And of course, the loved ones, they, they say, no, we don't see anyone else in the room. And that happens all the time, uh, this hospice nurse says. And then um, all of a sudden, after these events happen, these loved ones, you know, pets coming back and you know, the family members from the past, uh, all of a sudden, they're not afraid anymore. They're actually very, very relieved and relaxed. And they found this out. And um, every once in a while, also, is that uh, this uh, this hospice nurse that's making this video, she says that one patient uh, said that a loved one visited her and just talked to her and said, uh, don't worry, when the time comes, I'm going to be back. And I'm going to help you, and uh, you know I'll take you where you need to go when the time comes. And you know she says, yeah, we get that every once in a while too, where a loved one will just say something like that, not to worry, I'll be back. So it happens so frequently that they actually put this type of information into the pamphlet, even though they have no scientific proof, but yet throughout the decades and it happens frequently enough that okay this is a phenomenon of some sort it's not hallucinations uh, you know because you know everyone's they're experiencing the same sort of phenomenon <laughs> you know so it's pretty cool yeah and you know I uh, I interviewed uh, Dr. Scott Cabalba who's a medical doctor well known here in Chicago and um, if you guys haven't listened to that interview it's really great he wrote a book because over the years his surgeon friends doctor friends would pull him aside sometimes during the day into an office where they can talk privately and they would reveal that you know a, a patient died on the operating table they resuscitated him brought him back to life uh, you know they were dead for you know seconds a minute whatever and then when they wake they start talking about you know, how they're in the room, in the operating room, and they're watching, you know, they're describing everything in detail of what everyone's doing and who saved them, and they can't explain it. So he was getting all these stories from these other doctor friends. And, you know, the curious thing is, they, he wouldn't call it the paranormal, he called it the divine. So, you know, I guess the term paranormal has some sort of uh, stigma to it. So using the, the term divine is a little bit better, I guess. But yeah, you're you're getting more and more on finding out, you know, these professionals. I think a lot of these people, you know, what we find out here at RPA with the people that are sending in their stories, sometimes it begins with, I never told anybody about this, but this happened to me when I was 13 years old, and now they're older, maybe retired now, and they just never told anybody because they didn't want to 
be thought of crazy and of course here at RPA it's a safe community and you know we give you a nickname or just use your first name no one's going to know who you are and you know this is why people are a lot more you know they're a lot more comfortable with sending in their stories to us and for me to read so yeah little by little you know police officers got some stories from them got, did some interviews um, so on and so forth and uh, yeah more and more people are just start start talking about it more openly uh, mainly with family members right you know I don't talk about what I experience in the office no way man and uh, no one even knows I, I run this network <laughs> so <laughs> I keep it to myself but uh, yeah so other than that um, if you want to support uh, the network uh, you know you can do that by going to realparanormalactivity.com become a premium access member um, it's three dollars and ninety nine cents a month. Uh, it's you can cancel anytime. Unlimited access, uh, and you get all the previous RPA Monday shows. You know the archive shows, listener stories, bonus episodes, interviews, and even uh, audiobooks of uh, folklore from other cultures from around the world. There's a little bit over you know thirty audiobooks there. And so you get something for your money, and it helps us out and helps us pay the bills. And again, thank you for everyone in the past who have become a premium member. Thank you very much. And we're just flattered that you guys keep on coming back to visit the RPA Network and finding something that you enjoy. And yeah, thank you very much. We're flattered. And so with that, I am calling it. The show has been produced by myself and Bruno, and it's also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh, yeah. We do. As always, thank you and good night. Yeah. <laughs>